Psalm 37 and verses 4 and verses 5. If you don't have a Bible, it's fine. You can just listen uh, to the reading of God's Word. But once you're there, if you would all stand for the reading of God's Word tonight, Psalm 37 and verse 4. Amen. Praise the Lord. Once we're all standing, we'll read the Word of God. I'll just read it to you tonight. Amen. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Lord, tonight we just pray for your help, for your anointing upon your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to hearts in this room tonight. We pray that by your spirit that you would soften hearts. Lord, that by your spirit that you would open ears, that by the Holy Ghost that you would open eyes. Lord, we pray for your help tonight as we come to your precious word. Thy word is truth, Lord, and we pray that through the preaching of your word that you would come, you would speak to hearts in this room tonight, that your name, the lovely name of Jesus, would be lifted up and exalted. Would you draw men and women to yourself tonight, Lord? Lord, would you draw them with that great love to that cross that you've died for each and every person in this room? Lord, may they see it, Lord, through the eyes of faith. May they believe it with that heart. May they confess it with their mouth. Oh God, tonight would you do a work among us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I want to ask a question as I just open this message, these few thoughts that the Lord just placed in my heart to share. Have you ever stopped in your life wherever you are in life, whatever age you are, but have you ever stopped for a moment in the life that you live and just considered your life, the desires that you've had, the hopes that you've had, perhaps you've lived long enough in life now to look back and see some of those hopes and those desires that you maybe had at an earlier age and life just hasn't turned out the way that you'd hoped. And sometimes it's good to stop in the busyness of our lives, whether we're young or whether we're old, just to stop for a moment and to consider our lives. You know, James tells us or asks the question in James chapter 4 and verse 13 and 14, but in that those couple of verses, he says, for what is your life? Have you ever taken a moment? Have you ever taken a moment to stop in your life and just to consider that question, what is your life? What is your life? What is the purpose of your life? What is the desires of your heart or the hopes that you have in your life? And I believe it's a very important thing to do, especially for those that don't know the Lord as their Savior, just to stop in your life and to take thought and to consider your ways. I remember in 1993, just a number of days before I got saved over there in London and Ealing, sitting, and I've said it often, but sitting in a little flat in Ealing. And uh, I was there just for those couple of weeks. had other plans, had other desires, but God had a great plan. God had a, had a desire to change this life by the grace and the mercy of God. But I can remember for a few nights just sitting night in and night out, just considering my life, where my life had come to, the, the darkness that had come, the, the desires that what I had maybe as a younger man and the hopes 
and the dreams, most of those things were completely shattered because of the sin that was in my life. And so I can remember sitting in that room in the stillness of that moment, just on my own and just beginning to consider life. Have you ever stopped in your life just to consider where you are, where you're going? Have you ever stopped just to consider what is your life? What is the very substance of your life? And what are your hopes? What are your plans? What are your desires? The Bible says here about the desires of your heart. What is the desire for your life? And I suppose when we're younger, we have so many plans and things that we hope and we believe for in our lives and desires. I'm not saying they're all wrong. I'm just saying that we have that in youth and then we live long enough to know that not everything of what we desire or what we hope for necessarily comes to pass, particularly if we choose to go our own way, particularly if we choose that broad path that we will do it the way we want to do it. And so we find out in life that because we go our own way and we commit our own way and our own actions to what we want, often it comes to a place where we sit in a place of destruction. There's a man in the Bible, I want to mention him, his name was Joseph. You know him very well. He was one of Jacob's 12 sons. His father, it tells us, loved him and loved him so much that he gave him a, a special coat, as it were, a multicolored coat. And this young Joseph had a heart and had dreams and desires in that life, things that he longed for, things that he hoped for, things that he had plans for revealed to him even by the Lord. And we know that his brothers, you know the story particularly well, but we know that his brothers were quite envious of that and they were jealous of him. But in that life of Joseph, there's all those desires and those hopes and those plans as a young man. And you know, it's good to have plans. It's good to have desires for your life. You hope to grow and you hope to meet someone. You hope to marry. You hope to buy a house. You hope to have a career. All those things. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But Joseph had these desires that God had put into his heart. And then one day his father said to him, I want you to go and find your brethren. This is in Genesis 37 and 15. And we find here this young man with all those desires, with the love of the Father upon his life, we find him wandering out in the wilderness. That's what the Bible says, that he was just wandering in the field. And sometimes we come into times in our lives where we're just wandering. We don't necessarily sense the fullness of the purpose of our life. What is the reason? What is my life? What is my life about? Why am I born? Why am I here? Where am I going? What actually is the very purpose of my life? And sometimes it's like that we come into a period of time and we're asking the question, particularly in our own saved days I'm referring to, we're wandering just around in this world to try and find a purpose, to try and find a reason for life. Why are we here? That's what James is saying. What is your life? And that's the question that many of us asked and come to a place when we're lost in our sin and we're wandering. And we sit down and we begin to consider that's what happened to so many of us that we begin to consider life. What is my life? And the substance of my life back then when I sat in that room and began to evaluate my life, the substance of all of that life that I'd lived was the consequences of the sin that I committed. And it brought me to a place of destruction and despair and depression and everything that goes with that and darkness and blackness and I could see no way forward and I could see no way out. And here Joseph is found wandering in the field. But he meets a man. Now I want to just say very 
just very briefly, just in the wandering in our life, you're going to meet people in life. We all know this. We meet people in life, especially when we're wandering, but they want to tell us and guide us and direct us in the way that they think that we should go. And he met a man who was, when he was wandering, and that man was going to direct him towards his brethren. But often, we don't meet people that are going to give us good advice, that are going to give us wise counsel. Actually, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, someone who will actually tell you the truth because they're your friend and they love you. The second part of that verse says this, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The kisses of the enemy are deceitful. And you know, there's many in this world and the world itself will want to embrace you. They want to embrace you as a friend. They want to embrace you in that way that it says the kisses, the kisses, it says the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Want to embrace you and bring you another way that there's another way. And that is the work of the enemy. He is deceitful, but he'll never come. He'll never come as an enemy. He'll always come as a friend in order to embrace you and say, this is the way. This is a better life for you. And so what I want to say in this message that if you're considering your life, if you're considering where you are in life, just be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful who you seek advice from. Be, be very careful for those even in this world that will embrace you and say, this is a, we have a better way than this. I want to tell you there's one way and it's God's way. Now weighs life. And so you often find in the wandering that there are other voices. Deceitfulness. But they come as friends. But fearful are the wounds of a friend that will tell you the truth because the depths of it all is because they love you. They concern for your soul. In Genesis 37 we see that there's a conspiracy against Joseph as he walks towards his brethren. They said to one another, Behold, here's this dreamer, this, this young man who has those desires, those dreams that are in his life. Behold, this dreamer cometh, and now therefore they said, Let us slay him. Let, him, let us cast him into the pit. And we will say that some evil beast has devoured him, and we, we shall see what becomes of his dreams. What will happen now? When we slay him and we, we throw him into that pit, what will happen to him? The conspiracy of the enemy is to, is to slay you, is to destroy you. The Bible says, as we know, that the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we see here that there's a conspiracy to take hold of the dreamer, those desires that he had, but to cast them into that pit and tells us in verse 23 of 37, that it came to pass when Joseph was come to his brethren, listen to this, that they stripped Joseph of his coat and they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And listen carefully, listen carefully. Know everyone's desires or requests of the heart, plans and dreams can often end up just like Joseph at the very bottom of a pit. At a place of hopelessness, it's empty. A place of darkness, a place where you see that there is no way out, but that was never your plan, that was never your desire. But yet there is a real enemy that would steal and kill and destroy, and you've listened to bad advice and sought the wrong counsel, and you've been embraced by the deceitfulness of the world or even riches, and, and now you find yourself at the bottom of a pit just like Joseph. 
Everyone has plans. Everyone, every person in this room has desires. Every person has plans or hopes for their lives. It's not a wrong thing, but you desire a good life. You desire that, that your life would end up in, in a place of peace and happiness and prosperity. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, especially when you're younger. I mean, I just find it so difficult when careers officer were to sit you down at the age of 15 and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had no idea. And you're supposed to plan your whole life just in that instant, in that moment. And it's so difficult to know, and some people do know, thank God, but most of us, I think, just sit there and say, I don't really know, but I, I want a good life, I want a prosperous life, I want to have peace, I want to have happiness, and all those things that you desire in your heart. But what happens when all of the dreams and the hopes and the plans end at the very bottom of a pit? We all have them. You see, there's desires that we have there's plans that we have, but then there's God's plan for your life. There's your plan, and there's God's plan. And I want, to, I want you to hear this tonight. I say this because I mean it, and I know it's to be true. God's got a great plan for every life in this room. God's got a great plan for your life. That may be hard to comprehend with all the desires that you have, with all the hopes and all the dreams that you have before you. But I want to tell you, friend, there's one great plan for your life, and it's the plan that God has for you. I don't want you to be confused because you might desire to be a doctor or a teacher or a mechanic or work in a shop or a missionary or an office worker or a housewife or a farmer or a politician. You may want to be those things, and that may well be that that's God's divine purpose and plan for your life. And when you come to know God and you live and you work in that place, the blessing of the Lord to know the place that you're supposed to be in is wonderful. When I was a kid, four years old, my parents will tell you, I used to stand at the ice cream woman's van at the age of four, and I had no money, and she came around every night, raindrops keep falling on my head, the wee song, and I used to run as fast as my wee legs could get me to the, to the ice cream van. Paula was her name. Her name was Paula. She was an ice cream woman. And I used to stand there and all the queue went down. I had no money. I had nothing. And then I'd look up at her and I'd do the best face possible that I was poor. I was an orphan. I was rejected. <laughs> and then she took mercy on me. And she says, what do you want? This is just a wee poke. <laughs> and then she'd just get a wee baby poke out and say that. And it worked every time. And I can remember going in, I know you have to be careful saying this now, I used to say to my mum, I want to be an ice cream woman. But you can't say that anymore. I was just when I was four. Your desires. I wanted to be an ice cream man. You know, you have to be careful these days. God's divine purpose for your life is amazing. Actually, God's divine purpose for your life is amazing. It is the most amazing plan that God has for your life. Every life in this room, young and old, it is the most amazing plan that God has for your life. You have desires. God says to you tonight, I want you to listen carefully to what God says to you. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version just for you to understand it a little bit better. For I know the plans... And the thoughts that I have for you, that God actually has plans and thoughts towards you. 
That in itself amazes me. That actually God has thoughts and plans for your life. God is thinking about the plans and the purposes that he has for you. It's actually amazing. Plans of peace is God's plan. Plans of well-being, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future. Plans to give you a hope. That's God's plan for your life. Isn't it amazing? Brothers and sisters, isn't it amazing the plan of God? The great plan of life begins for you and I, truly, when we come to understand the greatest revelation that anyone can ever know. And the revelation is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest plan. The plan of redemption. The plan of salvation. The plan to rescue you and rescue me from a life of sin and misery and deliver us from the grip and the power of the enemy to give us a hope, to give us a, to give us an expected end. A great plan happens at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the great plan. There is no greater plan than the cross. A revelation of the cross of Christ on the cross, dying for me and dying for you, dying in your place, shedding his blood. It's the greatest revelation that a man can know. Jesus has a plan of redemption. He's a plan to rescue us. He's a plan to deliver us. He's a plan to give us peace in our hearts, to cleanse us from our sin, to put our names in the Lamb's book of life, to bring us home to heaven one day. This is a great plan. The plan only begins to unfold for our lives when we come to the cross. What a plan. What a plan God has for your life. What a plan that Jesus died and that He died for me. That's amazing. And the world and the deceitfulness of the world will come to embrace you and to kiss you and to advise you that there's another way, there's another plan, there's another way you can find peace, there's another way you can find hope, there's another way that you can make it. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus said that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. There's one way, there's one plan, but it's an awesome plan. Bible tells us each one of us is tempted. This is the amplified again. Our plan. Each one is tempted when he's dragged away and enticed and baited to commit sin by his own desires. Then when the illicit desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. But you know what happens? The old enemy will never come as an enemy. He'll come as a friend. He comes to kiss and to comfort and to lead you gently astray into another way. He's so subtle. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. And it this tells us about Joseph. You know, we come to a place where we find all of our desires and the plans and the deceitfulness of what the enemy has done. We find everything at the bottom of a pit. A place of destruction. Tells us it came to pass when Joseph came to his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat. You know, it is only by the grace of God and the mercy of God. When we, for those of us who are here this morning, but I want to tell you, friends, it's only there but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God when a man is so overcome 
When alcohol has destroyed his ability to think and understand and speak and his dignity is gone, there but for the grace of God go I. God's got a great plan for Johnny's life. A great plan. A great plan. The devil will strip us of our dignity, doesn't he? Our manhood, our integrity strips us of everything. That's the work of the enemy. That is the work of the devil. And Joseph was stripped of his coat. Everything of what he hoped and dreamed and planned for was stripped. That's the thief's work. That's the old devil's work. Do you honestly think that those that lie on the streets that so many of you go down and minister to, do you think that when they were four or five, that's the life that they wanted? That's the life that they planned? Do you think of those young girls that are are selling their bodies in the streets of Belfast? Do you think that that's the life when they were little girls that they wanted to grow up and become that? You think those drunks that are lying, those that are addicts that are lying in the streets and their own vault, that's what they wanted to be? Praise God for the grace of God that God can lift a poor, wretched sinner just like you and just like me and lift them off the streets and the gutters of sin and give them a robe of righteousness. They stripped him. They cast him into a pit. It says it was empty. And there was no water. There was nothing. That's the work of the enemy. I know you may not be there. You may not be in a pit. You may not be like someone else. Or you may not be like what I was or what anyone else was in this room. But I want to tell you something. The enemy wants to strip you of everything of who you are and the purpose and the plan of God for your life. He wants to throw you into a pit. He wants to leave you empty. I, I can remember clearly the emptiness the awful emptiness, the awful emptiness, the void, the void that is in your heart and in your mind, there's an emptiness, void of the purpose and the plan of God for your life. But when you repent of your sin at the cross of Christ and you ask for forgiveness, when the joy and the peace and the new birth enters in and Christ comes into your heart by faith, you have a purpose and a plan in life. It's actually amazing. And the church would say, Amen. Amen. It's an awesome thing to come in to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to know that He's got a plan for your life. That's awesome. I don't know what makes, I don't know what makes you tick, but that makes me really get excited. God's got a plan for my life. God's got a plan for your life. The thief only comes in order to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and enjoy life. You know, it's enjoyable to be a Christian. Praise the Lord. It's enjoyable to be a Christian. You enjoy being a Christian? You enjoy being saved? Do you enjoy having a relationship with Jesus? Are you glad you're saved tonight? What do you do? And all your hopes and your plans end up at the bottom of a pit when no one can help you. When you've exhausted all means, when you've cut off all friends, 
when you've burnt all bridges, when your sin, your sin, or my sin has taken you to the bottom of a pit. You know what the great news is? That God hears the cry from the bottom of a pit. It's actually amazing. Psalm has said in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He hears the cry. Anyone else know this? Not only do we know it by reading it, anyone know it because he's heard you? And he heard my cry. Listen, he heard my cry. Can I tell you something? I want you to listen carefully. God will hear your cry. Individual. It's so important we hear. It's individual. God will hear your cry. Your cry. God, hear my cry. It says that he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Praise the Lord. Amen. He brought us out of a horrible... Anyone in a horrible pit? And God delivered you from it. Anyone? Praise the Lord. It's good to be delivered out of a horrible pit. It's horrible. Do you know sin is horrible? It's horrible. Sin is horrible. The devil will tell you it's pleasurable, but he's a liar. But sin is horrible because the end of it is destruction. He brought me up. He heard my cry, but he brought me up. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the Mary clay. Out of that old mar, that muck and that mar. It's a type of sin sinking in that deep mar, sinking in the mud and the filth of the world. All the muck and the mar and all the things of this world, the sin that had, had so easily got a grip of our lives and held us and we're sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more. Then the master of the waves heard my despairing cry. He hears the cry. Praise the Lord, he hears the cry. But that old Mary Clay, that sin, you see, you can't wash it away. It's water. You can go to as much rehabs as you want to go to, but nothing, there's nothing can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. Sinking in that old Mary Clay. Do you remember? Don't forget, friends. It was fresh this morning. You stand, that poor man, and you smell. You smell what it was. That's what I was. Smell it. You see it. All of that Mary Clay. But as for me, the psalmist said, My prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy. Hear me. In the truth of thy salvation, deliver me out of the mire. Let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of deep waters. He's the great deliverer. He delivers us not only out, but it's amazing because the psalmist says that he set my feet upon the rock. Isn't it awesome that He delivers us out of the sinking sand and brings us right up and He sets us on solid ground. It's good to be on the rock tonight. 
It's good to be saved and our feet are planted on that rock and that rock is Jesus. And He established my goings. And then it's wonderful. He puts a song in my mouth, even praise to my God. And many shall see it and fear and many shall trust in the Lord. It's an amazing thing to be born again. To become a sign. Do you know if you're saved in this room tonight that you're a sign and a wonder? Do you know that you're actually a wonder? That you're a supernatural sign and a wonder? Do you know when it says these signs shall follow them that believe? Signs follow believers. You actually are a sign and a wonder. The miracle of the new birth that He heard your cry, that in His mercy He saved you, that He delivered you, that He put your feet upon that rock which is Christ and He's put a song in your heart and praise unto, unto God and many shall see it. Many shall fear and trust in the Lord. Many, O Lord, says in verse 5, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts, listen, which are to usward. God thinks thoughts toward us. That is amazing. That God thinks thoughts. As thoughts of evil, as thoughts of destruction, as thoughts, friends, I want to tell you, they're thoughts of hope and peace and relationship and joy, sins forgiven, a plan and a purpose for your life in Christ. I want to tell you, it wouldn't matter what it is. But if God's divine purpose was for you to sweep a road, if it was for me to sweep Main Street for the rest of my life, I would rejoice in it just to know that I'm saved. Just to know that I'm It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He brings it all to pass. Wouldn't change it for anything. Wouldn't change it for anything. Not for a billion dollars. Keep your lottery. Keep everything. Wouldn't change it for anything. It's wonderful to be saved. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He shall give you the desires of your heart. Here's the important thing. Here's the word I want to leave you with tonight. Commit thy way unto the Lord. And trust also in Him. And He'll bring it all to pass. What a life He has for you. It all begins at a place called Calvary. That's where it begins. It all begins at Calvary. Will you come and commit your way, your life, your heart to the Lord? Will you ask Him to forgive you of your sin? Will you receive this wonderful gift of salvation? And I want to tell you something. What a life he has for you. What a savior. What an amazing God. God has a great plan. It all starts at the cross. What a plan. May God bring the revelation of the cross to every heart in this room tonight. May we commit our way to him. Let's pray together.